0: Welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast, where we're bringing you inspiring guests who are leaders in their industries. We'll be tackling topics from education and empowerment to diversity and inclusion. Together, let's learn from these incredible women. This podcast is brought to you by Our Gorongosa. We create specialty coffee with 100% of profits supporting people, wildlife, and the planet in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. Girls' education is one of our biggest priorities because we know girls have the power to change the world. Just like Beyonce said, who runs the world? Girls. Hello and welcome back to the Girls Who Run The World podcast and my name is Emily
1: and I'm your host. I'm so excited to be bringing you episode 18 featuring Kelly Beatty, and she is the president at First Star Consulting Group where she is an expert in train the trainer programs for diversity, equity and inclusion and she is really an expert in emotional intelligence, and emotional intelligence as a key element in the way she teaches and trains. So in this episode, you are going to learn about IQ versus EQ and why both are important for success. You'll also learn the value and importance of having difficult conversations at work and how to have them. And we really got into a feedback and a little bit about my story and my background with feedback. So I hope you enjoyed that moment of vulnerability. And we talk about the transformative power of value and diversity and the fact that diversity has become a bit of a buzzword, but Kelly really dissects what diversity should look like or could look like in an organization. And that was really enlightening and helpful for me. So I hope you love this episode as much as I do. Make sure to connect with us on Instagram, at our Gorongosa And of course, for our beloved podcast listeners, don't forget you get 15% off your first order with the code podcast. So do not miss out on getting yourself some delicious specialty coffee with an impact. All right, let's get to it. Here's episode 18 featuring Kelly Beattie. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me
1: our pleasure. So we're going to get right on in with our opening segment. And I wanted to hear from you. What are you most grateful for in your life right now?
2: I love that question. Oh my gosh. I talking to my clients right now about November being the month of gratitude. And um, I have given several of my clients the assignment of writing handwritten thank you notes to share appreciation, uh, so I think I, what I'm most grateful right now is my family. Mm-hmm. Being able to see my family again and spend time with them, I just saw my my mom over the weekend, and it was so nice to be able to hug her again. <laughs> I know I'm definitely a hugger, so
1: I yes. agree with you. That was nice, and I love. I am also a strong believer in written cards. Yes, uh, I've always loved them. I have like my own ones printed <laughs> that I use. Oh. Yeah, I think it's really nice. I don't want that to ever be lost because it's different. It's different than receiving an email or a text.
2: <laughs> oh, it, it is a, it's a game changer, especially when you're building a culture of appreciation. It doesn't take very long to write a handwritten thank you note. And there are clients that have shared with me that they have done this exercise and years later, the thank you note is still on the person's desk. No, it, it, it is absolutely,
1: 100%. yeah, I agree with you 100%. So, that's yes. a challenge for everyone listening, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> Join us in writing handwritten notes.
2: <laughs> yes, I, I often will say, you know, write three just. Write three or four and see what effect it has. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: I love that. So, Kelly, what inspires you daily? So, what you know inspires you to work with the clients that you do and create the mm-hmm. life you're creating? What are some of your daily inspirations?
2: So, I focus. Are you familiar with Simon Sinek?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I am. He's a tech, And so, one of his TED talks that really impacted me was how great leaders inspire others Mm -hmm. and really focusing in on your why why do you get up in the morning why do you do and honestly i what in consulting we refer to it as the juice right so what fills like what fills you up and you know allows you and wants you to go out into the world. And honestly, it's, the, it's being able to tap into the potential of other people. I love being able to work with current leaders, future leaders, uh, leaders who haven't even discovered that they're leaders yet, and to be able to tap into that potential and see them grow and see them blossom into what I know that they can be.
1: Mm, that was beautiful. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's really it's really fun work, especially when you have a, relu- a reluctant leader mm. who doesn't want to, and you just kind of keep tapping at them and just <laughs> give it a try and see what happens. And then they have a tremendous impact on the on the world around them.
1: Mm. Uh, Sounds so like I, you 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 like a little challenge.
2: <laughs> I do. I do.
1: <laughs> I see that.
2: <laughs> yes, I, so- yes. I, I I have a workshop on conflict management, and I always start it with. Who likes conflict? And I'm the only one that has my hand up.
0: <laughs> you know what?
1: In my, I will say, it started in my personal, like my relationship with my partner, where I have slowly been learning not that I want the conflict, but learning to enjoy the effects of when you do have conflict and are able to talk about it in a respectful, productive way, because then there's always things that come out of the woodworks that neither of us knew and nobody's a mind reader. So I do think that maybe I don't love it, but I'm coming around to it. I'm coming around to
2: it. There's some really positive things that can come from conflict, being able to understand other people's perspectives and to be able to hold and create space that it's safe for people to share and say, yeah, I didn't didn't like that you said that or I didn't appreciate that and allow for that open conversation. You can actually strengthen relationships by managing conflict in a positive way.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's what we have slowly started to learn. (laughs) Good. Yeah. As long as you're going in the right direction, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Kelly, what is one mantra that you like to live your life by?
2: Oh, that's a great question. I think just... I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier about just being grateful, Mm -hmm. being appreciative and give back to others. Make sure that as you are moving forward, that you are reaching behind and helping the next people come as well. Yes. I love that.
1: Who or what has been your biggest teacher so far? Oh my goodness.
2: I've had, I've had a few uh, one of my business partners, uh, her name is Diana Wong, and I think she is probably one of my biggest teachers, not only formally, uh, she was a professor of mine as I was getting my masters but i 've been working with her for almost ten years now, and I am always learning uh, one of one of her mantras is the willingness to learn mm-hmm. and being Always open to learn something new, and so constantly, constantly challenging to what can we learn and what can, how can we grow from that.
1: Yes, and I know it, for us as an organization, that willingness to learn is something we absolutely look for in bringing new teammates on. Because you know, I, I said to one of my colleagues, I'm like, I would prefer someone who's extremely, you know, I use the term coachable and open mm-hmm. and yeah, willing to learn new things versus someone who's had potentially more experience. Like if, you know, if you were deciding between I would choose the person who is more open, more coachable, because I think in the long run, that's going to get you a lot further.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Especially as the world is changing and things are constantly being different. You have to have that willingness to to learn and to be open to hear something different and something new Mm -hmm. uh, in order to adapt and to be able to move forward.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, what I'm noticing is kind of a big overarching issue right now in the world for me is that people are not willing to change their minds or opinions based on new things they learn and i will say that i do take pride in being able to do that like if if i'm okay if something new comes to light that then allows me to see something from a different perspective i'm okay to change my mind but i think a lot of people are really not movable
2: (laughs) i think i think it's one of the most difficult things that people face is to be able to have the confidence to change their mind Given new information, uh, oftentimes, and it goes back to conflict, where oftentimes conflict is viewed as a, I'm going to win, and if I win, then you need to lose. We can approach conflict in a way that, how can we both win and understand the other's perspective? It makes us more open to changing our mind when we get new information. Mm. And to say, oh, wow, Emily, you know what? I never thought about that. I have to give that some consideration and to be okay to say things like that and it it doesn't make it that now you've won and I've lost but our relationship now is being stronger because I'm willing to hear a different perspective
1: Mm -hmm. that is so so important and I love the way that you word things I mean you're a professional at it so that's awesome but I feel like a lot of people need that right those not that you want everyone to sound the same like a robot, but I find sometimes it is helpful to have that framework of the things to say in order to keep the discussion going or have that open communication. Uh, So I'd love to hear from you. When you're working with an organization or within individuals who do work in organizations, what are some of the tips you give them about having these, difficult or you
2: know tough conversations how do you approach that so the my approach is always as, um, as I am coaching and so I, I will work with individuals as well as organizations uh, departments etc and I always talk to those involved what do you want out of the relationship right so if there's conflict if you and I are in conflict if I focus I want the relationship to be stronger after this conversation it takes it from a, I'm not angry with you personally, I'm frustrated with the situation and it allows me to frame that conflict in a different way because now it's not an attack on you personally, mm. but hey, we had a situation that didn't work the way that we thought. How do we, how do we review it so it doesn't happen again?
1: Mm, okay. So yeah, giving a bit of distance almost between the, the people and what the actual issue was.
2: <laughs> right. So as it relates to the relationship, I have positive intent, right? Most people don't set out to offend. Most people have really, really good intentions. They lack awareness on how sometimes their words land and the impact that it has on the person. And by being able to have and foster a culture That if I say something that upsets you to foster a a culture that says, hey, Kelly, why did you say it like that? That that didn't sit well with me or oh that kind of felt icky. And being able to say, oh, my gosh, that wasn't that wasn't my intention at all. What I really wanted to say was this um, and allow for that dialogue. But oftentimes what happens is I say something that bothers you. You turn to another coworker and say, can you believe Kelly said that at the meeting? And then it just spirals, right? And then uh, oftentimes I'm asked about, you know, what is the the ROI on being able to have these difficult conversations? And bottom line, it's productivity, right? Mm -hmm. Because if if you and I can address it in two minutes after the meeting and you say, Kelly, why'd you say it like that? And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That wasn't my intention. And we can work it out. Mm -hmm. We both go back to work and everything is fine.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think, uh, yeah, and I've definitely been, not going to name names, but in (laughs) more toxic type of workplace environments where that was absolutely not the way that we communicated with one another. And to your point of productivity, there's that. And then for me too, there's just, it creates this very difficult environment to be in. And that's when the workplace for me anyway, that's when I see it starting to go down that spiral of, of being toxic. And then, I mean, to your point of productivity, I think it goes down and down and down the more that people aren't able to voice their concerns. And I also feel like when you look at this, take that like a simple example that you, so say I said something to you in a way that did really offend you, There's the option A of you coming to me and saying, Hey, Emily, I'm just wondering, you know, what, what did you mean by that? The way I received it was this X, Y, Z. So then we'd work through it. Like you said, probably takes five minutes in the moment. (laughs) Not even. Exactly. (laughs) Now the alternative to that, which something that I had often experienced was that wasn't the way communication was allowed to happen or wasn't encouraged, I should, should say. So then what happens is, yeah, you go back to your workplace, not really wanting to work. You might start gossiping, which to me is like, just not good. (laughs) That's like one way to crush an organization right there. And then what ends up happening, well, situations I've seen is it gets escalated to a point where then you need to bring in, you know, HR and then you have to have five sit down meetings because the tension is so... So palpable that you need that type of escalated situation. So yeah, it, it really does waste everybody's time.
2: <laughs> it really, it really does. Uh, and it's it's amazing how much time organizations spend in resolving conflict. Where if they build the skills within their teams and foster a culture that says we want we want you to talk it out if there's something that is upsetting. The other thing that happens is you say something uh, or I say something to you in a meeting and it bothers you and you don't say anything. Mm -hmm. The next time we go and meet, it's still in the back of your head. And so everything that I, everything that I say, you get more and more upset about until finally it either comes to fruition and you explode or, or you start, you know, yelling and screaming. Or it becomes like you were describing a really toxic place to work and people don't want to absenteeism goes up, productivity goes down. People are, they don't want to be around it because, Oh, Emily and Kelly are, are fighting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times one or the other of us don't, aren't even aware.
1: Yes. And you know what I've experienced too sometimes is that people think, Oh, well, it's just between me and Kelly. Like we have an issue. It's fine. But We're sentient beings and most people, in my experience, can pick up on that. And they know that there's tension. They know that there's conflict that's unresolved. And then that makes everyone else a little more on edge and stressed out, which is
2: not a vibe. No, no. And so if leaders can work with their teams to be able to foster this type of environment where it's healthy to say, why did not you say it like that Mm -hmm. and have it be okay, Mm-hmm. right? We have to we have to be accountable to our own offense. And oftentimes we'll say, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal and we let it slide. And then the next time it happens, it's a little bit worse. And oh, well, I didn't say anything the other time. So now it's awkward for me to bring anything up. One of the things that I, kind of going back to your question about my mantra, I couldn't think of it at the time. It just popped in my head. One of the things that I really want to instill in people is we teach people how to treat us. We sure do. (laughs) And so if I say something to you and it's upsetting and you don't say anything to me, you've just told me that it's okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to your point too, I really do believe that, and I've seen that, I think 99% of the time or what have you, people's intentions are good. And sometimes there's just the lack of awareness. And like you said- The, the way that I too was first taught about, at, I was at Lululemon and we talked about oh. feedback. It's like a very strong culture of feedback. And it's yeah. funny because at the time I was like, Ugh, this is annoying. That's just a way I was young. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is just a way to like put people down. And that sometimes can happen, but it's a way, you know, a guise to put someone down. And now it's so funny in my, in my maturity, I've realized that That is is the culture you want to create, and something that was so important, and they really drilled into at Lululemon was feedback in the moment, and this is exactly it. Because if you let it fester, the other thing I find too is, say, I'm saying to you after two weeks of it festering, "Hey Kelly, remember two weeks ago when you said X?" Like you're not you're not going to remember that. You you. don't know. (laughs) Nobody's going to remember that. So then I think it really loses a lot of its power because. They don't really know what that was about. And then the person receiving the feedback is thinking, oh, so they've been sitting there thinking negatively, quote unquote, about me for two weeks.
2: (laughs) You know, it's just right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. In the moment is a really, really powerful statement. And we, we need to invoke our emotional intelligence, right? So being aware of our thoughts and our feelings. And if, In the moment, I know I'm not going to handle the situation well, and I need to walk away and think about how is it that I'm going to phrase this that's perfectly okay because you want to be able to hold the conversation and hold it well. But to your point, you don't want to wait two weeks (laughs) because I it's going to, the situation will diminish for the receiver because it's two weeks ago. And why didn't you bring it up? The other thing that happens is it starts to actually get more intense for the person that experienced it because they're thinking about it. Right. And They're so now, that it's, now it's giving energy and it's building up. And so by it's okay to take a few minutes and walk away, but make sure that you come back to that situation in a timely manner so it can be addressed mm. and resolved. Yes, absolutely. That's the important piece is that it has to be resolved mm. for both people to go on.
1: Mm-hmm. And what about in situations where you know the feedback is given in the moment, but maybe the receiver isn't ready to resolve the conflict? Have you ever had that happen? And
2: what do you suggest then? Yes. Again, again, using our emotional intelligence, using our awareness of ourselves and our triggers. So if you came up to me and you said, Kelly, can I talk to you about what you said in the meeting? And you gave me that feedback and it was really upsetting or bothering me. Uh, And we all, we all have external things that impact how we react. Um, right. You had mentioned that you have a young son <laughs> yes. and my guess is that some nights he sleeps better than others. <laughs> he
1: actually sleeps like a dream, but he's very oh. active and
2: knock on wood really fast. Because I know. as, soon as you say that oh,
1: well, I know. I know my sister jokes that every time she says that her kids sleep well, they don't sleep well that night. <laughs>
2: That's exactly. That sounds like knock like get that karma. Yeah. But there are other things that happen. And so if you have a, if you are tired because you didn't sleep well, or you're hungry because you were running late and you missed breakfast or whatever the case is, they impact our the way that we react when people are talking to us. And in that case, it's a very long answer to your question, but in, in that case, if you gave me some feedback and I am feeling a really strong emotion, I'm going to say, thank you very much for bringing that to my attention. I'd like a few minutes to think about this. Can I get back to it in half an hour and we can finish talking? I was really surprised that wasn't my intention, but can we talk about it later today or within a certain time frame? Because again, you don't want to have, managing conflict is not about ignoring your emotion. It's about really recognizing where the, why you're feeling what you're feeling. And sometimes you just need a few minutes to process and to think about that was upsetting to me because I really appreciate my relationship with Emily. And if I've offended her, does that come into question? Right. And to just be able to ask yourself that question, why am I, why am I feeling these feelings? And then once you can bring that to a point where you can articulate it, then it makes that conversation actually easier to say, well, you know, Emily, I reacted so strongly because I really care about our relationship and it really upset me that I bought that I hurt you in some way. Right. And so now it's a much different conversation than what we normally see. Yes.
1: And I'm sensing kind of this theme too of um, that kind of diffusion element where, yeah, if your emotions are really strong, that's okay. But mm-hmm. it's helpful to take take a little step
2: back. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's, I, I work with, I work with people not to be able to minimize the emotion, right? Because we're feeling those feelings for a reason, but to be able to express them in a really healthy, positive way to say, you know what, I am really angry and to be able to communicate why they are angry without All the normal nonverbals that come with being angry, the shouting and the yelling, and the right to, but to have a really healthy conversation and to say that really upset me for these reasons, and have the other person be able to respond and say, I know I was really upset and frustrated too because I thought we were in agreement and then this didn't happen or that. And so it really becomes a a very robust conversation, Mm -hmm. um, very productive and very positive. Moving people forward. I love that.
1: So, something you touched on that I would like to talk a little more about is EQ. And I know that in your work, you talk about how IQ and EQ are both important for success. So, can you talk a little bit about why that is?
2: Yes. And so, when you're talking about IQ, it's intelligence. Right. It's the skills, knowledge, and the ability in order to do the job. However, emotional intelligence or EQ is becoming a very sought-after leadership competency for all the reasons that we were talking about before. If I have a leader with strong emotional intelligence, that person is going to role model Mm. the type of behavior we want to see in the workplace and to be able to facilitate conversations like we were just talking about. When you have somebody with low emotional intelligence, that's where you see people flying off the wall. Uh, I work with an organization and it's some of the behavior that they share with me is absolutely unbelievable where they have leaders throwing things at each other because they're angry. Oh. And I talk to the HR person and I say, well, How is like, how is this even acceptable? How is this okay? Right? But when you have people with high emotional intelligence and they can manage all the four quadrants, right? The social awareness, the relationship management, the self-awareness, which is the key part, and then the self-management, you when you have people who are strong in those areas they then demonstrate how conflict should be resolved. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And when we're talking about EQ, I'm
1: curious to know how do we, can we develop it? I think we can. And then how are some ways that we can work to develop our EQ? Yes.
2: So yes, EQ is absolutely learnable. The first step is we have to be aware. Where are our gaps? Mm -hmm. where are areas and if if your listeners go and google or use your favorite search engine right uh, and look up emotional intelligence there are a lot of assessments that are out there if they want a more formal assessment the other thing i encourage people to do is to ask ask the people around them Mm -hmm. and say where do you where do you find that i am strong And where do you find that I might have an opportunity to grow and develop? And by asking for that feedback, uh, there's a great assessment and it can be used from an organization, a department, a team, or even an individual. What should I start doing? What should I stop doing? And what should I keep doing?
0: Mm.
2: A great way to get feedback and to start to develop your emotional intelligence. Mm, I love that. Those are
1: great prompts, though. I think I'll... I'll roll that out for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know what? You reminded me of something though that is so important, not just when it comes to EQ, but is asking for the feedback. So I haven't done that in a while, but asking like, how, how is this planning yeah. for you? And those prompts you gave are perfect. I love yeah. that.
2: And when, when leaders start this process and start looking and reaching out for feedback, it can catch people off guard and oftentimes the response is not very not not very productive because if you know i go to somebody that works on my team and i say hey can you give me some feedback i don't know right what right so i use the start stop keep as a framework to develop and to give it to them in advance and say I want to I want to have a really good conversation about this what should I start doing what should I stop doing and what should I keep doing and once you build that cadence of regular feedback you are going to get some really great responses
0: mm,
1: i love that and like i said in the beginning it it took me a while to come around to the idea of feedback and i think for a long time i and i'm sure other people can relate to this but i simply saw feedback as criticism and I think it's really important to differentiate that. It's not criticism. And I think for me, one of the main things that helped me differentiate between criticism versus feedback in the mm-hmm. context we're talking about it was understanding a couple things. And one was the intention. So yes. knowing that the uh, trusting, and you have to build that sometimes depending on the organization, depending on the relationship, I think, mm-hmm. is trusting that the feedback is coming from a place of them wanting me to succeed. Uh, (laughs) And the second thing, what for me that really helped was understanding what you kind of mentioned was feedback is what helps you grow. And so if you're someone who believes in learning and wants to grow as a human being and as a professional feedback is straight gold because people around you who have that positive intention and just have a different perspective than you with yourself. They will show you things sometimes that might have been a little blind spot that you had no idea about, and that can allow you to
2: get to that next level, which is so cool. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you, you said it so well, it's, it's about being open and discovering our blind spots. Where What are we doing? How are we being perceived that we don't even, that we don't even know? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, a, I'm a fairly private person when it comes to my my personal life. I don't often share many details about my personal life. And I got some feedback from one of my leaders who said, you know, your team is reading you as being secretive. Ah. And I thought, what? Like, if anybody asked me a direct question, I would, I'm happy to answer a direct question but I never thought about it. And so I had to I had to reflect a little bit and uh, it was a good opportunity for me to say, oh, you know what, that probably makes sense because people ask about how was your weekend and I would come back with, it was fine. <laughs> right. Right, but being able, and it's it's not to say that I have to divulge all of my deepest, darkest secrets, but I have to be willing to to, what am I comfortable sharing? Because we are as leaders, We are connecting human to human and we need to be open and vulnerable to do that. And so by asking for that feedback and really hearing what the other person has to say without defending it, without trying to dismiss it or disprove it, but really hear it. And then at the end, when you've gotten some feedback to be appreciative and to say, thank you, I really appreciate that.
1: Yes, I agree with that so wholeheartedly because, as we were saying, I mean, it's gonna proper feedback is really gonna exponentially allow you to grow. So that gratitude piece is so so important. I love yeah. that. Yeah, and it and it is. I I consider all feedback to be positive. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that mindset shift though, because as I I divulge to you all, I just. You know, I was a little fighter when I was young, so I just thought people were out to get me, and that's that was the lens that I mm-hmm. saw feedback through. So I had to do a lot of work on that to realize, yeah. come around to what you're saying is that all feedback is good feedback, it's <laughs> basically.
2: Good. Yeah, it's good. It's and okay. I, I try to work. I, I work with my clients, and we eliminate criticism, right? But it's not criticism. I'm not criticizing you. I'm giving you my perspective on what you did or what you said or what your behavior was. And I'm doing it from a place where I care about you. I want you to be successful. And it might be, your behavior might be harming you in a way that you can't see.
1: Yeah. I love that. I always think too, when, when those types of feedback sessions come around, I've noticed in my life too, there's often more than one place that that particular thing is probably showing up. So yeah. when someone gives you that feedback, you might have been behaving that way with other people, with uh, like your family, with your partner. So I feel like it, it really can affect you so positively
2: more than just that one relation, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Which, which brings a conversation all the way back to the beginning about willingness to learn. Uh, yes, I love that. <laughs> right? So if I have a if I have a mindset where I'm willing to learn, I want the feedback. I want people to come back and say, "Oh, Kelly, I really enjoyed this. Have you thought about maybe this? Oh, you know what? I didn't think about that way. I'm going to try it next time." Yeah, I love it. Right. Something else I
1: was really curious to get your perspective on, because I know it's something you're passionate about, is the transformative power and value of diversity. So I'd love to hear what that means to you.
2: Well, I mean, that can go so many, so many different ways. Did you have a particular framework that you were talking about?
1: Diversity now to me has become slightly a buzzword. So Mm -hmm. I think when things become a buzzword, (laughs) it's important to pull back a little bit and discuss what that actually means. So let's start there. So what does diversity in the workplace really mean and why is that important?
2: So I'm going to broad stroke this. Uh, Many organizations look at diversity from a demographic point of view. It's almost like a Mm checkbox to say, oh, we've got this many women We've got this many Black people working for us. We've got this many from this particular group and then this many from this particular group. Really embracing a culture of diversity is so much more than that. There's an entire wheel of diversity from varying perspectives and to really be able to open up the door and and really welcome all the diverse perspectives and it could be it could be political it could be religious it could be socioeconomic it could be beyond demographics right we're talking about sex and race which is where most people land when it comes to diversity then being able to promote a culture that respects the diversity organizations will hire for diversity but onboard for similarity mm. Okay. So I hired you because you're diverse. However, I'm gonna get you think in the way that we think. Fall in line, basically. Right. Yeah. Wow. And so really being able to look at the the process on which people are onboarded, and are they how is their diversity being embraced? Because within about six months of a new candidate starting. They often bump into, well, that's not the way we've always done it. Nope, that's not gonna work. We tried that five years ago. Oh, nope, sorry. Nope, we nope, that's not the way that we do it here. And when you start hearing those types of responses, that's where they're trying to assimilate. Uh Whereas if you are, if you are brought, it doesn't have to be new to the organization, but new into a role, you know, you you got promoted, you're in a different spot in the organization, you wanna be listening for wow, that's a great idea. Tell me more about that. Never thought about it like that. Tell me how, tell me how you see us being able to implement that. Mm -hmm. Those types of curiosities, being curious and not judgmental uh, gives organizations an opportunity to truly be diverse. And then on the flip side, you have, I don't know if it's truly the flip side, but then you have inclusion, which is the welcoming of all ideas, right? Being diverse and inclusive allows a organization to be able to have a space for everybody's voice to be heard. Not just the ones that are like-minded to them, but really being able to, and it's okay going back to the difficult conversation. It's okay if you and I disagree on a particular topic, let's have that conversation. I want to hear why do you think the way that you do on that particular topic and then allow me to be able to also express. Inclusion is not about changing your mind, but respecting your position. Mm, I love that. Well, that just sounds like
1: a utopia.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everybody want to work there?
1: Sign me up. I have to say though, this organization does, I can just see it continuing to go that direction too. Like it's we are starting to have the more quote unquote difficult conversations and we are being a lot more curious and it, it, it feels good that that's the direction that we're continuing to kind of foster each other in because I think it's very different from what a lot of us have experienced in the past, which is really cool. Really cool. Yeah. So, yes. Kelly, this has been amazing and I really oh. want to first acknowledge you for the incredible work you're doing in creating these sorts of utopia-like workplaces <laughs> that we've been describing and really teaching people how to have the difficult conversations and to adapt their workplace for not only productivity, but I would say ha- levels of happiness too. <laughs> um, so I really want to acknowledge you
2: and thank you for that. Well, thank you very much. I, I thoroughly enjoy the work that I do. I, I I absolutely love meeting different people and then how can I help? What can, what can I do um, to help you be successful? Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much.
1: My pleasure. So we're going to get to the rapid fire round. What's a book that's changed your life? I think
2: joy Inc. Mm, I haven't read that. Yes, it is uh, written by Richard Sheridan he is the chief joy officer at a company called Menlo Innovations. And it really is about how do you instill joy in the workplace? I love that.
1: One of my personal values is fun, which I think is very related. And I'm like, if you can't make things fun and enjoyable, I'm like, it's not, it's a no for me.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we spend over a third of our lives at work. Why why can't we have a little bit of fun at work too? Absolutely.
1: Where is your favorite place you've traveled? uh, South effort Amazing. And yes. it, it was beautiful. I have not been, but it looks amazing. Yes. What are you most yes. excited for this year?
2: Well, that's a, I, I think I'm, I think I'm most excited for just to, to be able to relax over the holidays, just to be able to spend some time. Uh, I'm going to go visit my dad in Phoenix where it's not snowing. Um, uh, it's currently snowing here in and here. And so, but just being able to unplug, unwind and relax mm. quite the year. So necessary,
1: isn't it? Yes. What's a lesson you've learned recently?
2: I think I, I'm going to say that I was reminded, right, to, to be kind, to, to really understand that everybody has their own problems that they're facing and to, to be kind and to lean in, mm. Even teenage girls have their problems. <laughs>
1: oh yes, they. I mean, they have the worst problems in the world, don't you know? Gosh, yes, <laughs>
2: bless them. Uh, name a
1: woman who inspires you.
2: I would have to. There's, there's two. One is the business partner I mentioned before, Diana Wong. She is absolutely incredible, and I have learned so much from her. And then my mom. Mm. I love that. Yeah.
1: Thank you again, Kelly. This has been incredible. And before we go, I want to make sure everyone can connect with you and learn about your amazing services. So, where is the best place to find you?
2: I am on LinkedIn.
1: Okay. So, it's I Kelly Beauty, certainly connect. Okay. I will yeah. link this up in the show notes as well for everyone. That would be great.
2: Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you again. It was really fun to talk with you. Thank you. You brought me joy today. Oh, that made my day.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would love it. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Our Gorongosa, head over to ourgorongosa.com and find us on social at Our Gorongosa.